Hey everyone, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready For The Draft podcast, episode four. Lots to get into. Week zero of the college football season in the books. We will break down Miami versus Florida, Arizona versus Hawaii. I'll talk about what I saw in each of those games. I'll also reveal the second annual All Shoots team. These are the guys who are my favorite players throughout the college football season and the draft, regardless of where they were drafted. They're guys all three days, even a couple of undrafted free agents in this group. And these are guys that I think will make an impact at some point at the next level. May not be this year, but names to watch in the future. And then, of course, we're going to take a look at the full slate of games week one. Games start Thursday. That's so exciting. Thursday, August 29th. I can't wait for the season to begin. I'll be watching games all throughout the weekend and uh, you know be, be able to break down <clears throat> some of the different matchups that I'll be looking for. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into things. Before we get into Miami and Florida and what I saw, we have to talk about Alabama. Specifically, their star middle linebacker, Dylan Moses, uh, just announced that he tore his uh, tore a, a knee ligament. I'm, I'm assuming it's his ACL, uh, which is likely going to put him out for the entire season. This was a guy I listened to an interview from from Ian Fitzsimmons there on ESPN, and uh, he was talking about how when he when he met with with Dylan Moses, uh, an unassuming kid, a guy who just wanted to play ball and study, uh, a guy who wasn't really looking for the limelight. So even though he has this injury, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a guy who's going to. Look to enter the 2020 draft, you know, but this was supposed to be the year that he was going to cement himself as a first round pick, uh, you know, take over for Mac Wilson as the true leader of that defense. This was a guy that was going to be calling all the plays, uh, 86 tackles a season ago, 10 tackles per loss, three and a half sacks. Um, you know, he's the heart and soul of that defense. They already lost, uh, you know, a- another linebacker on that side in, in, in Joseph McMillan. So, you know, what is what is Bama going to do? They're going to end up playing a couple of true freshmen. And so it's going to be, you know, they're going to be playing Duke to start out the season. And I know Duke, you know, that that's going to be a, you know, everyone's going to look at that and say that's going to be an easy win. And, and you're probably right, especially now that they've lost Daniel Jones. But, you know, you're going to have to sit there. And I'm sorry, it was Joshua McMillan there on, on, the, on the inside there with Dylan Moses. So you will have two true freshmen. Uh, essentially starting there on the the inside linebacker spot, you know, essentially looking to call out the plays. So what does that do for Bama's defense? That's going to be a, a key cog, you know, when you're talking about teams that are projected to be potential playoff teams. You lose McMillan, you lose Moses, the heart and soul of your defense. You know, that that's really, you know, what is Nick Saban going to do? He's he's the king of developing prospects. And, you know, he's, he's going to have to, you know, we'll have to see what kind of tricks he has up his sleeve to be able to uh, rebound from this. I think this is a huge blow for Alabama. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, what we saw week zero. Uh, Florida taking on Miami, Camping World Stadium, Orlando, Florida. Uh, the number eight Gators come away with the victory 24-20. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, this was kind of an ugly game. You know, very undisciplined play. Um, you know, the secondary from Florida especially. You know, they had Miami pinned on a 4th and 34. Just stay away from the receivers and you end up winning the game. And uh, they get called for pass interference. 
and, and you know the offensive line play. We talked about that being a potential issue, and and neither line looked very good. Um, you know, but it's week zero, and uh, Florida was able to sneak away with the victory. I think you saw some of that running back. Um, competition between DJ Dallas and Michael P. Ryan. I thought those were uh, the two standouts really on the offensive side of the football, along with Brevin Jordan there for Miami, the, the sophomore tight end. Um, but DJ Dallas, you know, I talked about the, the strength and, and the, the power, um, you know, and, and I thought that he did a really good job. Uh, he's really a one cut and go type of guy, um, but he had a 50 yard touchdown as a wildcat shot through the hole, ran through two tackles. That was one of the things. Florida's defense really needs to shore up their tackles if they want to make any noise in the SEC. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but broke two of the tackles uh, and then showed speed down the sideline, outran uh, Jeremiah Moon, the linebacker there, for a 50-yard touchdown, uh, 5'10", 215 pounds, the junior. Uh, you know, DJ Dallas, 12 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown, along with four receptions for another 37 yards. Uh to me, you know, DJ Dallas, again, he and Brevin Jordan were the two guys that stepped up the most for the Hurricanes. Speaking of Brevin Jordan, only a true sophomore, so he won't be eligible for the 2020 draft, but he's a name to get to know. 6'3", 245 pounds, big body guy, chunk plays on offense, uh, wide receiver speed, showed decent blocking ability um, there on the outside. Um, you know, he needed to do a better job of shielding the defenders from the football um, I thought that was one of the things that you didn't really, you know, you wanted to see a little bit more from him. Um, you know, you you all, you know, he had a, a 25-yard touchdown, um, good concentration on a post. Um, you know, ultimately held on, uh, held on to the football for for his score. But I, I thought the athleticism better than than average blocker as well. Um, that, again, that wide receiver speed, he's going to be a weapon there on the outside for the Canes moving forward. Jaron Williams, that's going to be one of his go-to targets. He didn't really, you know, you wanted to see more from KJ Osborne, the six foot, two hundred five pound senior transfer from Buffalo. Didn't really get to do a whole lot. Um, you know, definitely a guy who can be a target over the middle in traffic. Uh, the poise, you know, a guy who can play outside the numbers as well. You know, I, I thought his blocking was really on display. You saw him, you know, blocking on the edge for for Mike Hartley. Um, for I'm sorry, Mike Harley, and then another block to spring Jeff Thomas for a big gain. So I think that's one of the things that Josh, uh, or I'm sorry, that KJ Osborne is, is bringing to that wide receiver core is some physicality. Um, you know, and again, six foot two oh five, he's looking a lot bigger than he did when he was at Buffalo. Um, he's someone to watch there um, as he continues to build chemistry with with the uh, the quarterback Jaron Williams. Now Jaron Williams was sacked, I believe, eight times in, in the game. That offensive line really needs to get better. He was 19 to 30, 240 yards and a touchdown uh that touchdown pass thrown to to brevin jordan um you know i, I think when, when you look at that those that's really what stood out to me for for miami was was dj dallas kj osborne more from as a blocker and then brevin jordan um i, I thought you know most of of that play though was was left to be desired um you know jeff thomas showed flashes but you know just uh, two receptions for for 28 yards um you know when i Take a look at my notes. You know, very elusive in space, good route runner, um, but also muffed a punt. You know, with with Miami up thirteen to ten, that ultimately um, you know led to a score. Van Jefferson jumped on the football there. Um, you know, Miami defensively. Um, you know, Jack Quarterman. I, I hyped him up as as one of the better uh, outside or I'm sorry inside linebackers in the game. Uh, but the issue with it was. 
you know, he really struggled in in pass protection. He's he's a thumper. He's a, he's that prototypical thumper that that Miami likes to recruit and likes to bring in. And, and you see that you know Denzel Perryman. Um, you know, I, I compared him to to Perryman uh, last week. And you look at, at what Shaq's been able to do over 250 tackles in his career. Um, you know, 11 sacks. You know, eight pass breakups. You know, has an interception to his credit. But he was one of those guys. He and Michael Pinkney both. Uh, fallen, you know, victim to the the play action, really putting themselves out of position, and I thought that was one of the things that was really frustrating. I was waiting to see more from Shaq Quarterman. Had a really nice play there, um, you know, on on a run play, was able to you know inside, um, inside out, get outside, break down, and and drop a P Ryan there in the open field. So as a um, you know playing against the run, you know has that sideline to sideline speed, can play inside out. But his issue really is against the pass, and you have to be a three-down linebacker if you're going to get drafted in the first two days of the draft. So I thought this game really exposed Shaq Quarterman. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board and really put together some better tape uh, in coverage. Same same goes for Michael Pinkney. I thought you know he also got lost uh, quite a bit with some of the play action. So you know there's there's some things that uh, Miami needs to work on there. I thought Trajan Bandy, the 5'9", 190-pound corner. Um, you know, showed some physicality, a big hitter on the outside, um, really comes up to, to hit some guys, closes really hard, um, you know, but he struggled to get off some blocks, some wide receiver blocks. Uh, Cle- uh, Tyree Cleveland really cleared him out to spring a, a big gain for the for the tight end, uh, uh, Kyle Pitts, um, you know, and he's, he's just that, that lack of size. You know, he's going to be someone who I think is going to be a slot corner or a nickel. Um, but again, a guy who was very physical. And I thought that was one of the things that, that stood out to me. Um, you know, Pat Bethel, uh, 6'3", 290 senior, the, the, the defensive tackle, uh, you saw some power driving his man into the backfield, uh, dropped the running back for loss. Uh, that was really the only play that you saw him really be effective. Um, needs to work on that pad level when he stays low and really fires into that that offensive lineman. He can drive the man back and be disruptive in the backfield. That's really what Miami needed. Um, you know, just play in and play out. You know, just one tackle. You know, which went for loss in the game for him. Now, when you look at Florida offensively, because uh, there's a lot to like on the defensive side of the football. Um, offensively. Um, Felipe Franks up and down game. Uh, you know, he was one very frustrating, some, you know, very late over the middle threw behind a receiver pass picked off by Amari Carter in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he, he put a ball, you know, beautiful ball on, on Jeffrey Hammond for 40 yards, but uh, very inconsistent, very strong runner, big physical kid, 6'6", 245 pounds. But there was this really head-scratching play, threw a pick in the fourth quarter with just 429 to play, threw it to Romeo Finley. I don't even know who he was throwing it to, but uh, apparently he was throwing it right to Romeo Finley, um, you know, and, and that could have cost them the game. Uh, you know, Felipe Franks just needs to needs to relax. You know, he also again playing behind a line that had to replace four starters. And you know, when you're behind that line, they didn't really gel a whole lot. Um, you know, I said that Nick Buchanan's really going to have to uh, step up this season if they're going to take a step forward with that offense. He's got his hands full with this unit right now. Um, Michael P. Pirine, I think, proved to be a, a top ten running back. I don't have him in my top ten right now, and I'm. I'm 
scratching my head wondering why he should be a top 10 running back. Why? Because he can do everything. He has the burst um, on the outside. He has a burst through the hole as well. Excellent vision. I thought that was one of the things that you saw, you know, the cutback ability, his balance to run through tackles, lower body strength, just keeps those legs churning, but a really a good receiver out of the backfield. You know, if you look at the stat line, don't let the stat line fool you when you look at it for Michael Pilarine. 10 carries, 42 yards, with six receptions for 23 yards and, and a touchdown. Six receptions out of the backfield. Um, you know, and then you know the blocking. This, this is a guy who who can do everything. He was a lead blocker for Felipe for Felipe Franks on a fourth fourth and one run coming off the edge and uh, picked up the the, the backer and uh, ultimately allowed Franks to pick up the first down. To me, Lamichael P. Ryan is definitely a top 10 running back. They just need consistent offensive line play to get him going. And, you know, I, I think as the season goes along, if that offensive line continues to gel, we're going to see LaMichael Pirine's name continue to rise up draft boards. 5'11", 218-pound senior. Keep an eye on LaMichael Pirine. So, you know, you look at that, you know, the receivers, because Felipe Frank struggled, there were seven, 17 to 27, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, you know, really not much of a standout there on the offensive side of the ball. Kadarius Tony, um, you know, I, he had a had an awesome play. Um, you know, so explosive. You know, very very quick. Uh, um, you know, quick throw to the perimeter. Very elusive in space. Ran through a tackle and uh, ultimately a 66 yard touchdown. You know, five eleven, 194 pound junior. Now that he's a junior, I could see him potentially coming out at the end of the season. Um, you know, he's a he's a splash play kind of guy, but he, he's someone that comes off the bench as a receiver, as a running back. Um, he's a guy to watch. But uh, man, that defense that was a lot of fun to watch. And and really, you, you wonder is it the def, you know the offensive line from Miami and their struggles, or is it really uh, Florida? You know, having having a breakout game defensively. Um, but Jabari Zuniga, um, you know, we'll talk about C.J. Henderson in a minute. He's already a known quantity. Uh, Jabari Zuniga, I think people already knew who he was. 6'4", 257-pound senior. Um, but, man, he consistently getting into the backfield, being disruptive, um, you know, blocked by, by the tight end and drove Brevin Jordan back, um, able to get off the block, Got to the quarterback just as Jonathan Greenard, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, flushed him out of the pocket. Um, you know, able to slip inside the right tackle uh, to drop the running back behind the line. Um, early penetration, uh, slowing up the run. You know, burst in a rip under the left tackle's pad level. Um, you know, basically, you know, forced a hold and forced the quarterback up in the pocket. Ultimately, getting sacked by by another uh, defensive lineman. Uh, just that burst off the ball, really low on his get off, getting under the left tackle, ran by the left tackle ultimately, and uh, you know he's somebody who I knew that he, I, I wasn't expecting the burst. You know I think he was timing up the snap count, took advantage of the fact that uh, he was playing against a very inexperienced quarterback, and the snap count really didn't get changed up, so he was timing that very well. So a very smart move by Jabari Zuniga, and look, he he started for a reason over over uh, Ja'Kai Polite. I think it's, it's, a, it's the consistency, his ability to play both the run and the pass. He's a sleeper guy. You know, He's someone who I think is going to be a day-two guy. He's not going to be a, a first-rounder, but he'll be one of those day-two picks and a guy who I think is going to stick on an NFL roster for a long time. Which leads us to Jonathan Greenard. 
you know, a 6'3", 263-pound senior transfer from Louisville. And the last time we saw Jonathan Greenard, you know, it was in a Louisville uniform, hurt his hip in the opener against Alabama, had surgery, and then ultimately transferred to Florida. Um, you know, Greenard, you know, was, was known as as a, an edge rusher there with, um, with Louisville. And uh, in his sophomore season, 48 tackles, 15 and a half for loss, seven sacks. And this was a guy who just repeatedly was in the backfield, so quick off the ball, beating the left tackle out of the out of his uh, out, you know, off the snap, uh, very quick to the quarterback. Um, you know, one of the things that he needs to wa- work on is is making sure that he breaks down. You're know, able to to bring down the quarterback, but he just seemed to be in there left and right, just you know, the burst, just running right around the left tackle, uh, running around the right tackle, just basically getting to him at will. Um, you know, that burst, that's really the biggest thing I think that you saw more than anything else, but he can dip, you know, he can run the arc, he can bend a little bit coming off the edge. You know, really the biggest thing is going to be that hip. Can that hip hold up? You know, it's a surgically repaired hip. So, you know, if he can show that that hip is, is a hundred percent and he has a big year, he's somebody who, as you continue to get more game film on, um, he's someone to, someone to keep an eye on. You know, and you weren't expecting that quickness coming off the ball. But uh, if Greenard and, and Zuniga um, can wreak havoc in, in the SEC, that's going to bode well for both of their draft stock. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about C.J. Henderson now. Uh, 6'1", 202 junior. Um, I thought C.J. Henderson looked great in coverage. You know, he had one play where he got to the receiver a little early, got called for defensive pass interference. Um, it was actually the, the tight end, uh, Brevin Jordan didn't time, uh, time that, that jump very well, but you know, he didn't allow a touchdown in coverage in 2018 and only one reception every 19 snaps in coverage, according to pro football focus. Um, you know, just a guy who was so fluid with his hips, uh, never panics. Uh, it was trailing Brevin Jordan in coverage and then just ultimately undercuts the route, you know, able to, to dive in front uh, to knock the knock the ball down. A guy who drives very well on the football. Um, very good both in, in press man coverage and in bail. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that he needs to work on is the tackling or, you know, the lack thereof. He, he dove at, at DJ Dallas's feet. Very poor effort on, on DJ Dallas's 50-yard touchdown. You know, I want to see him line somebody up and, and really stick him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, is going to be great in coverage, but is he going to be able to come up and, and, and contribute in the running game? Is he going to be a guy who's going to be able to, um, really be a, a force there on the outside? You know, I think when it comes to, um, locking down receivers, he can definitely do that off coverage against Jeff Thomas on a post corner contact at the top of the route, um, throw was to the outside, he was able to drive on the ball and uh, essentially undercut the route, get a hand in, knock the football away. C.J. Henderson, to me, is is a guy who continues to get better and better. We should see him as a first-rounder when it's all said and done. Now, the flip side, we talked about Marco Wilson coming back from injury, the, the redshirt sophomore. You know, he's, he's not afraid to, to come up and hit you. But uh, man, he got blocked quite a bit on the on the outside. Very poor effort tackling uh, as well on the DJ Dallas touchdown. 
pulled down Jeff Thomas on that fourth and 34 uh, with just a minute 31 to play. Could have cost him the game. Uh, just a lot of mental errors, mental mistakes. You know, it may be, you know, just the nerves of coming back after being out. But, uh, you know, that's something that, that Marco Wilson's really going to have to shore up. And then, you know, David Reese, you know, the 6'1", 239-pound inside linebacker, showed some pretty good lateral quickness. Um, you know, strung out uh, K.J. Osborne on a, on a reverse. A good speed to the outside to, to bring down D.J. Dallas as well. Um, you know, he's, he's just a consistent, per, con, consistent performer. Five tackles, uh, a half tackle for loss for him. Uh, Zuniga, six tackles, one and a half sacks, three tackles for loss in a quarterback hurry. And his running mate, Jonathan Grenard, in the buck position, six tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. I'm sorry, one and a half sacks, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble to his credit. Um, C.J. Henderson, just two tackles and a pass breakup on the day. Uh, so those were the guys that I was really keeping an eye on. Adam Schuler is a guy that I, I really want to see continue to to play well. 6'4", 275, playing defensive tackle, um, has a burst to close on onto the football. Uh, does a pretty good job. You know, he initiated the contact against the the right guard on a play. Um, gets into his body um, with with his left arm. Keeps his right arm free. Able to push off with the left arm. Wrap up the running back with the with the right arm in the hole for for little gain. You can want to continue to see that from him. Um, didn't have the greatest year in his first year at Florida after transferring from West Virginia. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, Moving forward, he, he's really a, a guy that I think can continue to develop. Probably going to be a day three pick, but somebody who I think can perform at the next level. All right, so Florida, Miami, we've covered that just a little bit. We're going to go ahead and move to Arizona and Hawaii. Hopefully you stayed up and got to watch this Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. You know, this was the battle, as I said, of, of Khalil Tate and Cole McDonald. And uh, it wound up being Khalil Tate versus Chevin Cordero. Why? Well, well, Cole McDonald, you know, he, we talked about the up and down season. And lat, through the last five games, the seven interceptions thrown, including, I think, you know, two apiece in three of the last four games. Um, you know, 29 of 41, 378 yards, four touchdowns, but also four interceptions. And the four interceptions were ugly. You know, this was a guy who can throw the ball on the run, but wouldn't just take what the defense gives him. He was trying to force the football way too much, you know, trying to just force it down the field, force it into tight windows, throwing late across his body over the middle, just a lot of things that you just don't do as a quarterback. And I thought that his stock really took a huge hit and ultimately he got benched because of it. Um, you know, he looked good at times, you know, in the pocket, no pressure, very good. Um, you know, they put a stat up there during the game, 62.1% of his passes completed, um, you know, with no pressure when he's blitzed 58.6% and then under pressure 31.6%. And so when Arizona got, you know, got some pressure on him, he really struggled mightily. And that's one of the things you were hoping that you'd see some of that development and you just didn't see that, you know, he could go through his progressions, find the open receiver, um, you know, and it was just one of those things to where he would look so good on a couple of plays, find the open man, hit a guy in stride, put the ball to the outside where only his man can get it. And then the next play he'll be rolling out and he'll throw across his body. And you're looking at it, just wondering what in the world happened. He was part of the reason why Arizona was staying in the game. Hawaii was scoring at will against this Arizona defense. Arizona, you know, really struggled. You had, you know, Colin Schooler, they're running Tampa two 
part of the time. And you're asking Colin Schooler, um, you know, to really man the middle of that field. And, you know, I, I thought that that was something that, um, you know, Colin Schooler, you know, he has a nose for the football. You know, he moves very well all over the place, can drop a little bit into coverage, you know, had a leap, uh, read the quarterback eyes, leap uh, in the air to tip a pass up, ultimately intercepted by the corner, Lorenzo Burns. Um, you know, he, he's somebody who plays very well against the run, very quick to diagnose, not the best athlete, but a guy who trusts his eyes very well. Um, I, I just thought that he you know, might have been a, a step slow in, in coverage at times. So granted, he's going up against the, the high-powered Hawaii attacks. So I really want to see what Colin Schooler can do moving forward um, you know, against some, some pro-style offenses. Um, you know, when we talk about Khalil Tate, you know, another game where he threw for over 300 yards, you know, 22 of 39, 361 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, 13 carries, 106 yards, you know, very dynamic in space as a runner. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, that stood out, you know, for sure. Um, you know, he, he's somebody who does a very good job escaping pressure, uh, able to roll out and so effortless with his delivery, just a flick of the wrist, throwing the ball over 40 yards down the field. Um, you know, able to throw the ball across the field on a comeback, put the ball on the money to the receiver. Um, you know, I, I thought that he's somebody who can put the ball away from the defender where only his receivers can get to it. So he's somebody who I think is continuing to develop as a, as a quarterback, but he doesn't fit the the Kevin Sumlin mold there at Arizona. He's more of, more of a rich rod type quarterback and uh, rich rod's not there anymore. So it's kind of weird having Khalil Tate, you know, it's really a quarterback in the wrong system. Um, but man, this game went down to the wire, you know, 40, 45, 38, 10 seconds to play. Ball at the 31-yard line. Khalil Tate gets, you know, gets the snap, gets pressured, rolling to his right, ultimately decides to take off. A lot of green grass in front of him and gets tackled one yard shy of the end zone. Uh, so Hawaii ends up winning 45-38. I mean, it was it was just a crazy, crazy game. Um, one thing to really take away is, is uh, Cedric Bird, the 5'9", 175-pound receiver, um, you know, played his first year a, a season ago as the, the number two guy to John Ursua after transferring from Long Beach City College. This kid is for real. Uh, just so so quick off the line, uh, very quick and sudden um, burst. You know, got up the seam, ran by defenders, has a pretty good wiggle, can run run pretty good routes as well. Very quick, uh, can, can eat up that cushion in a hurry, um, getting vertical, uh, ran by safeties, corners, you name it. Anything that you you know lined lined up in front of him, just so sudden. I mean, that was the thing that was awesome to watch. Uh, toe tap along the sideline, making a a play. Um, you know, had a thirty yard touchdown on a post. Um, came across. Uh, you know, Schooler was in that Tampa two. Uh, made the reception. You know, the concentration. It was you know after not before Schooler, but after he he crossed the face of Schooler. Kept the concentration, ultimately hauled in the football. That was number four, touchdown number four. Uh, you know, someone who um, just seemed to always be open, always be that safety valve for uh, Cole McDonald or Shevin Cordero, whoever was playing quarterback. Ended up with 14 receptions, 224 yards in those four touchdowns. Um, you know, and then his running mate was JoJo Ward, also 5'9, 170 pounds. 
four receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Another guy who could get vertical, ran by a cornerback on a 39-yard touchdown um, you know, with the go route. Third straight game with a touchdown. Did a good job coming back for the ball in a curl route. Um, you know, snaps off the route underneath, you know, and you know, with bail, te- bail coverage, taking what the defense can give him. Um, Two thirds of his receptions in 2018 went for a first down. Uh, so he's someone to watch. I think both CJ Bird or Cedric Bird and uh, JoJo Ward are guys who can be slot receivers at the next level. Uh, you know, Jace Whitaker, uh, the 5'11, 185 pound corner, you know, the senior. Um, only played in one game last year due to injury. I thought he closed well on Bird on, on a couple of out routes. Very sure tackler. Um, quarterback rolled out, and uh, this is where he kind of baited uh, Cole McDonald. Um, ultimately forced forced you know a, a throw, threw it across his body over the middle, and, and really just kind of set it up, um, set him up very well. Thought that the receiver was open. He got outside in undercut the route to ultimately pick off the pass. Um, so I, I thought Jace Whitaker had a pretty good game defensively for Arizona. Um, you know, uh, Padello um, for, for Hawaii, uh, Kalmana Padello, again, showed that he's a, a, an edge rusher. He's an undersized guy, six foot 225, but can be an edge rusher coming off, can bend very well coming off the edge. He's a former walk-on. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about guys who could potentially be fullbacks. And Dayton Farouk actually got the start. Uh, five carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Big dude, 5'11", 250 pounds, very punishing runner. He's a former linebacker. Um, he was hit at the two-yard line, lowered his pad level, and, and was able to run it in for the touchdown on a four-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, Just a guy who has power in his legs and a surprising burst, but, uh, you know, Helmet on the football, ultimately fumbled, recovered by Arizona. Um, I believe that led to a score as well. So he needs to work on ball security just a little bit there. Um, and, and I did mention in the um, man in the uh, podcast before, you know, I was talking about who filled in for Jelani Tavai, and uh, one of those linebackers that stepped in, not only Pavihi. Um, and, uh, you know, Jeremiah Pritchard, but the other one was, was Cheyenne Sanatoa and and Cheyenne Sanatoa actually passed away, uh, on July 4th. Um, and, uh, you know, very touching moment. They were talking about him during the game. Um, and this is, you know, a season that's, that Hawaii is dedicating to him. Um, it seemed like, you know, still fresh in everybody's mind, um, just over a month you know, month and a half, not even two months before, uh, you know, after his, his passing that they had to, to take the field. Um, so, you know, my thoughts and prayers definitely to, to Hawaii on that. Um, you know, Hawaii, man, it was crazy. Delay a game, a false start. Uh, Hawaii up 45, uh, 35, 358 to play. Um, a couple more false starts. You know, and this is Arizona. Then there's a timeout. So essentially, it ended up being a 53-yard field goal. It got sent back a good 15 yards. But Lucas Haversick, there for Arizona, just tough as nails, able to boot that field goal to bring it 45-38. But that was just kind of the day. You know, both these games very ugly, um, disappointing. You know, to, to, in some respects. But you wonder if that's what's going to carry over into Week One. Are we going to see a lot more teams that are going to struggle up front offensively, defensively? You know, are we going to see you know some undisciplined play? That's really going to be uh, something that 
everyone should be watching out for. Um, Arizona's running back, J.J. Taylor, 5'6", 184, showed some good burst, ran through some tackles as well. You know, surprising power for a guy his size. Um, you know, excellent balance to run through. Uh, you maintain his footing. 14 carries, 67 yards and a touchdown. Also a catch for 13 yards on the day for J.J. Taylor. Uh, let's see. You know, Il Manning, you know, the 6'4", 280-pound sophomore there at left tackle, um, did a good job really taking defensive ends up the field, uh, showed good quickness, um, ultimately got injured in the fourth quarter, but uh, a guy who he looked like he'll be be okay and be able to return. Um, but I thought Il Manning was someone who made a made an impression in the game, a guy who was very light on his feet, want to see what he can do in Mountain West play. And then Cody Crease in there for Arizona, the right guard, 6'4", 295-pound senior, showed pretty good leverage, hand placement, and pass protection. Uh, can also be a drive blocker as well in the running game. So he's someone to watch there in the Pac-12 up front for the Wildcats. So Hawaii ends up getting it done. They get the W. Um, so those were really the games that I tuned in to. Uh, also got to catch uh, Villanova getting the victory over Colgate 34-14. They're at Andy Kerr Field in uh, Hamilton, New York. This was surprising. In August, that was a 65-degree weather uh, there for that game. So I thought that was... Uh, definitely quite interesting. A couple of junior quarterbacks to keep an eye out for uh, next season. Grant Brenneman, um, you know, a, a guy who showed some some good dual threat ability. Daniel Smith, the transfer from Campbell, really stood out. 14 at, uh, of 29. So some inconsistency as a, as a passer, but 205 yards, three touchdowns. The biggest thing, no interceptions. Also ran the ball seven times for for 37 yards and a score. Um, you know, Malik Fisher. The junior uh, defensive end, you know, 6'4", 255 pounds, showed pretty good speed off the coming off the edge. Um, but I thought he got you know played placed too upright. You know, I want to see him get a, a lower pad level. Um, and then I think really the guy that I wanted to watch was uh, Abu uh, Dharami Saware. Um, you know, 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Also got to uh, return some punts. Um, Showed really good, you know, really good ability to to wrap up. You know, textbook tackler will come up and hit in the in, in the run game. Uh, looks to jam receivers. Um, you know, but he got beat by by one of the receivers there for for Villanova, uh, Chenga Hodge, on a forty five yard reception for a touchdown. It was a double move. Really kind of jammed him there um, on this. Um, I guess it was kind of more of a stop and go. And then he kind of stopped, ran right by uh, the corner, and uh, Dharami Saware gave up gave up the touchdown. But other than that, um, you know, that was the only reception for, for Changa Hodge. Des Boykin just had one catch for 16 yards. Javon Jones, two receptions for 25 yards. So he, he was a guy who I thought did a really good job on the outside. Once he kind of settled down, um, did a really good job. Uh, in coverage, showed it, you know, in phase with the receiver, 50-50 ball, able to go up, elevate with the receiver, get the ball, you know, get his hand in between the receiver's hands to knock the football away. Um, you know, I thought he does a really good job there on the outside with uh, with his hands. So he's someone to watch there. The other guy to watch is is uh, a defensive tackle. Uh, I'm sorry, defensive end Nick Wheeler. Four tackles, uh, a sack, three tackles for loss on the day. He's 6'2", 255 pounds, kind of undersized. Um, you know, nine, ta- nine sacks a season ago. Um, he, he's somebody who you know did a really good job attacking the chest of the right guard 
uh, on the outside, then a spin back inside and, and got to the quarterback. FCS All-American a season ago. I think he's the other guy to watch there. Um, you know, that was uh, for, for Colgate. And then uh, Youngstown State and Sanford. Uh, Youngstown State getting the victory 45-22. Um, you know, that's Bo Pelini's crew there. Um, you know, the, the, the guy that really stood out to me in this game. Let's see. If I had to pick one guy, um, it'd probably be Zaire Jones, the, the safety. Six foot, 200 pounds, um, five tackles, two interceptions on the day. Um, the transfer from Vanderbilt um, just showed a good job, you know, being a leader there in the secondary. Um, read the, you know, did a really good job. You know, both of his interceptions were off of tip balls. Just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, did a good job reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, a leader there for the for the Youngstown State Penguin uh, secondary uh, and somebody who I think, you know, if he continues to play well, could get invited to some of the all-star games as we go forward. So those were the four games in week zero. Got to watch all four. I was really excited. Um, so we're going to take a, a pivot here just real quick. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the second annual all-shoots team. So if you go to the website, you know, it talks about, you know, the, the, the start of the 20, uh, you know, 2019 NFL season, uh, kicking it off, you know, some of my favorite players at each position that I'm most looking forward to see play at the next level. And then I see ultimately making an impact at some point. Not all of them are going to make an impact right away, but it's a group that you're definitely going to want to watch for going forward in the NFL. Mix of rookies from all day, three days of the draft and include some guys really flying under the radar. So on the offensive side of the ball, I've got four quarterbacks, and these were guys that I watched throughout the season. And if you listen to my podcast, there were guys that I, I continually talked about. Now, Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State went to the Redskins with the 15th overall pick. You knew I was going to be talking about him because he was a guy at the beginning, I was pounding the table, you know, re- religiously week in and week out because everyone was talking about him as a legit pro prospect. And I said, hold up. I've seen him throw a lot of underneath routes, but. I haven't seen him really throw the football down the field. You know, I haven't really seen a whole lot out of him. He hasn't really thrown a whole lot in, in the route tree. And then there was that three-game stretch in the middle of the season where he had to put Ohio State's offense on his back because the running game went non-existent, and he did that. So Dwayne Haskins, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of time to develop there with the Redskins. I understand that. I know that that's going to happen. But look, Dwayne Haskins, to me, I think he's a legit pro prospect. Give him some time there in Washington with Jay Gruden, and I think you're going to have something going there. Uh, Will Greer out of West Virginia, third-round pick um, to the Carolina Panthers. Look, Cam Newton's the guy, uh, no doubt about that. But Will Greer... He's just a guy, he's fun to watch. He's a gunslinger, that gunslinger mentality. If Cam Newton goes down, we may see Will Greer get a shot. Ryan Finley was one of the guys that I thought was the most NFL-ready of the quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, he didn't have the highest ceiling, but I thought he had one of the higher floors. Not the best in terms of arm talent, but a guy who was just very efficient, just continued to get better and better there for the Wolfpack. Fourth-round pick of... of uh, why does it say the Jets on the website? He, he went to Cincinnati, went to the Bengals, and it's one of those things, this could be a perfect match for him. Um, he, he's got uh, got the head coach, Zach Taylor, and uh, you know Andy Dalton there. He, he, he's kind of a, 
uh, somewhat of a, another Andy Dalton type. You know, not the most mobile guy, not the best arm, but a guy who just you know, can be efficient and can get the job done. Um, he's played well in the preseason so far. Keep an eye on Ryan Finley going forward. And then Jarrett Stidham and Auburn. Uh, New England Patriots, fourth-round pick, pick 31 of the fourth round. I was kind of hard on Jarrett Stidham a little bit, but you know, when the more I sat there and thought about it, this was a guy who I think can translate to the next level, um, one of the smarter guys you know, there in the, in the league, you know, and a guy who... You know, it was just it came down to some consistency there at Auburn. You know, and you really wanted to see him take command and really take his game to the next level, and you just didn't see that. But uh, a guy who I think you know he's going to be a better pro than he was a uh, a college player there at Auburn, in my opinion. So the running backs. Let's see. I've got you know five running backs here that really stand out to me. Miles Sanders of Penn State going to the Eagles. Uh, 21st pick of the second round. Miles Sanders to me is a guy who, you know, he played, got his, 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 uh, his shot after playing behind Saquon Barkley and he made the most of it, you know, and, and really showed that he has that burst, that lateral quickness and, uh, a guy who can be a runner both between the tackles and on the outside and can be a tremendous receiver. Eagles loaded at running back, especially with, with Jordan Howard there as the physical back. They brought him in from the Bears. Um, but I think Miles Sanders is a guy who's going to be able to carve out and ultimately be a guy who can challenge Jordan Howard to be uh, the number one running back there in Philly. Now the Rams, you have Todd Gurley and his arthritic knee. You needed to take a running back. So what do you do in round round three? You take Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Now Daryl Henderson's one of my favorite players, uh, bar none at any position in uh, in the 2018 college football season and in the 2019 draft. 1,900 yards on the ground, and this was a guy, basically you just gave him a crease. Just give him a crease, and he's gone. So he was so much fun to watch, and uh, you know, I, I want to see him catch the ball a little bit more out of the backfield there for the Rams. I think that's really what you're going to see him have to do, um, you know, although he's a guy who's going to be able to take some pressure off of, off of Gurley as well there for the Rams. Now here's the guy that I've been pounding, pounding the table for and a guy who I'm a huge fan of, and that's Iowa State's David Montgomery, a guy who I was talking about throughout my podcast last season. Uh, went to the Bears uh, round, round number three, pick number nine, just three picks after Daryl Henderson. And, and the thing with David Montgomery was all the missed tackles. You know, he his lateral ability, lateral quickness, his ability, the jump cuts, just making guys miss, powerful lower body. Um, you know, not the doesn't have blazing speed, but a guy who can make you miss, and the the lateral quickness, he's able to make multiple guys miss with one lateral cut. It's really a, a fun to watch. Excellent hands out of the backfield. Chicago Bears are going to love having him. Now, Justice Hill there at Oklahoma State, um, round four, uh, pick number 11, went to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Ravens already have three guys in their backfield, you know, and, and so that's something that, you know, you have Mark Ingram, you have Gus Edwards, and, uh, you know, you're stacking a lot of running backs there, but they're all the same guy. Justice Hill is a guy who's going to be a burner, really that change of pace. And I think that Baltimore, you know, when you have a lot of those power running backs, you need to have a guy who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield and a guy who can be dynamic. And I think Justice Hill can be that guy for the Ravens. 
And then a guy who I thought, you know, just really didn't get a whole lot of respect was Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. Six-round pick of the of the Bengals. And look, I think he's going to ultimately replace Gio Bernard as the backup for Joe Mixon when it's all said and done. Gio's still there. I, I just don't know if Gio can stay healthy. I, I think Travion Williams showed that he can be a burner, uh, one of the best running backs in terms of, of statistics in the country a season ago. And a guy who... He was one of my favorite guys to watch because it always seemed like he'd get to the perimeter, always followed Eric McCoy, the, the center, um, you know, coming around edge, and a guy who could just make plays. Which leads us to the wide receiver position. And uh, I've got you know quite a few guys on here, but these were guys that I've I, you know if you listen to my podcast, guys that I talked about you know religiously. Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Uh, Last pick in the first round, going to the New England Patriots. Big-bodied guy, you know, that Odell Beckham-style catch against USC in the Coliseum. A beast on the outside. Really want to see what he can do with uh, with Tom Brady. Debo Samuel, South Carolina, completely healthy. Big, you know, not the biggest guy, but a, when I say big, he's very thick, uh, thickly built, and a guy who can be physical. Also has the burst, the suddenness is just awesome to watch. He's so quick in and out of his breaks. I think he's quicker than he is fast. Second round pick, uh, fourth pick in the second round to the 49ers. He could end up being Jimmy Garoppolo's go-to guy when it's all said and done. He and Dante Pettis will be fun to watch on the outside there. Uh, A.J. Brown of Mississippi, second round pick, 19th uh, overall in the second round. Going to the Tennessee Titans. They already have Corey Davis uh, there for, for the Titans. And uh, I think A.J. Brown is a guy who's going to be that slot receiver, uh, be a weapon there for Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, for that matter, uh, whoever's going to end up being quarterback for the Titans as the season goes on. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside of Stanford, yet another second rounder. Pick number 25, going to the Eagles. They have Alshon Jeffrey. They have Deshaun uh, Deshaun Jackson. But I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is a guy who can also carve a niche. He's, he's more than just a, a 50-50 guy in a red zone nightmare. He has some burst. He, he, he can be a vertical threat. Um, but I think he'll take some pressure off of um, Alshon Jeffrey. You know, and you, know, you, you have Nelson Aguilar there as well. You have some really good receivers. You also have two top tight ends. Obviously, Zach Ertz, over 100 catches and 1,000 yards. And then Dallas Goddard as another weapon. But J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, the, the cupboard is not bare at all for uh, Carson Wentz. He's loaded with uh, skill position receivers. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside is, is just going to be another guy fighting for for the football. Uh, Andy Isabella going to Arizona. Um, another second round pick. Uh, pick number 30. Uh, out of UMass, ran a 4-3-1-40. A guy who in high school ran, actually beat Denzel Ward in the 100 meters. Uh, he's someone who I think is going to end up being a guy, can play in the slot, going to be a, a burner vertically as well for Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray can get things going, if that offensive line can get going, uh, Andy Isabella is going to be someone that he's going to be looking to early and often. Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State, third round pick, pick number 12, uh, going to Washington. And the Washington Redskins right now, they have Josh Doxson, they have uh, Paul Richardson, they have quite a few receivers there. But I think Terry McLaurin is the guy, he, he battled some injuries in preseason, but someone who I think his route running ability, he's very sudden in and out of his breaks. Uh, he's just a technician, 
And I think because of that, his consistency there as a route runner could end up surprising some people there for the Redskins. If you're a fantasy football player, uh, uh, fantasy football player, um, you know, and you've got a team, Terry McLaurin, somebody to keep an eye on there in free agency as the season progresses. Miles Boykin. Baltimore Ravens. Ravens needed receivers. They pick up Boykin uh, in the third round after taking uh, Marquise Brown in, in round number one. Uh, took him in round number three of the 29th pick. Out uh, of Notre Dame, a guy who really surprised everyone with his 4-4 speed and his ability to get in and out of his breaks. A guy who can get down the field, big-bodied receiver, does a really good job shielding defenders away from the ball, extends for the football, goes back to it, and uh, a guy who can be a weapon on the sideline in the red zone, outside the numbers, can be coming over the middle. He's one of the more underrated receivers in this draft. Uh, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. This was one of my favorite players to watch because of his physicality on the outside, just throwing guys down, um, you know, catching the ball with his left arm, throwing uh, Hassan defense of Kansas down with his right. Uh, just so much fun to watch. Was the first pick of the fourth round, day number three, um, you know, to the Arizona Cardinals. But he broke his hand and he's out for the year. Um, really bummed about that that he's on IR. But uh, a name to watch out for in the 2020 uh, NFL season. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what Akeem Butler could do there for, uh, for Kyler Murray and company. And then my undrafted f- uh, free agent, I always have a receiver as an undrafted free agent that I have in there. Alan Lazard uh, was my guy last year for the Green Bay Packers, uh, who actually is having a pretty good preseason. Keelan Doss of UC Davis, another guy who is having a pretty good preseason for the Oakland Raiders. This is a guy, you know, if you watched him play, especially against Stanford, had over 100 yards receiving, yeah, and just a guy who just seemed to always get open over the middle. You're not always going to be a guy who's going to beat you uh, outside the numbers, but, man, he can work the middle of the field. Very sudden, you know, knows how to get open across the middle. And if you watch the preseason games, he's a guy who just attacks the middle of the field, knows how to do that. And, and I think the thing that I really enjoyed about uh, Keelan Doss, not only does you know did he graduate from my brother's alma mater, UC Davis, but what he did with the Aggies, he could have gone anywhere as a grad transfer. He could have gone to a to a Power Five conference and really stood out. He decided to stay there for the Aggies and really cement his legacy, and uh, took the Aggies to their first FCS playoff berth. Uh, mad respect for Keelan Doss, and I think he's going to make the roster there in Oakland, and uh, he and Hunter Renfro are going to be those possession guys um, who are going to end up being Derek Carr's favorite target. Um, tight ends, Jay Sternberger of Texas A&M went to the Packers, third-round pick. Um, you know, I like this this pick. Um, you know, Packers needed a, a tight end. Jay Sternberger, I think, you know, can develop some chemistry there with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Kahale Waring of San Diego State going to the Houston Texans in the third round. Um, Houston needed another tight end. You know, ever since C.J. Fedorowicz called it quits, um, Kahale Waring is, is a guy who is an ascending player. And then Dawson Knox of Mississippi, another third-round tight end, uh, taken by the Buffalo Bills, last pick in the third round. Or I'm sorry, pick number 32. I think there are a few comments. Uh, uh, compensatory picks after that. But Dawson Knox, really athletic tight end, uh, could be a weapon there for Josh Allen. Offensive tackles. How about Jonah Williams of Bama? He might end up kicking inside to guard, but I, I, I firmly believe he can be a left tackle there for the Bengals, the 11th overall pick. I love the pickup you know, by the Bengals. This is going to be a guy who's going to have, you know, he's going to be protecting uh, Andy Dalton. And, uh, you know, Zach Taylor, look, 
you know, if you talk about talk to quarterbacks, do you want to take a, a top-notch receiver or a top-notch offensive tackle in round number one? They're going to say a tackle all day long, protecting him. And uh, Jonah Williams is going to be that guy uh, there in Cincinnati. Dalton Reisner, Kansas State, going to the Denver Broncos, uh, pick number nine in round number two. A guy who can play both tackle and guard. I thought just a model of consistency. Um I think he's someone who can be a starter there in Denver for a long time. And then how about Max Sharping in uh, Northern Illinois? Second round pick, uh, 23rd pick in the second round, going to the Houston Texans out of Northern Illinois. And look, Max Sharping, I kept talking about this guy. Just three pressures given up, one sack, and that was to A.J. Epinesa in the first game uh, there for the Huskies. A veteran there, just very a technician, not the best athlete, but he's playing right tackle. I think that's where his home was going to be, whether it's right tackle or kicking inside to guard. But I'm going to be, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic for for Deshaun Watson having him. Yes, you have a rookie that's starting a tackle, but keep an eye on Max Sharping. He may surprise and be one of those breakout tackles. Offensive guards, Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. Uh, Falcons took him with the 14th overall pick. This guy is, is mean. He's nasty. You know, he, he's very athletic as well. Um, you know, not quite on the level of Quentin Nelson, but he's not too far off. You know, so he's so, somebody who um, I, I think can really bring some physicality there for the Falcons and, and bring some athleticism up front as well. Phil Haynes, Wake Forest, Seattle took him in the fourth round. Really a physical guard on the inside, very powerful guy and someone who I think could end up starting sooner rather than later there for Seattle. And then Wes Martin of Indiana. Uh, you know, way, uh, Washington Redskins took him in the fourth round. I had him in my top 10 among the guards for a while. Uh, I thought some of his play dropped off a little bit there towards the end of the season, but he's a guy when he's on, uh, he, you know, there weren't too many guys in the Big Ten that were better uh, at, at the guard position. Uh, centers, Garrett Bradbury out of NC State. I mean, look, you know, he was a model of consistency for there for uh, the Wolfpack. Going to Carolina, Carolina lost. Uh, Ryan Khalil ultimately you know, decided to come out of retirement to play for the Jets. But Carolina moving on, they get their center. They get a guy in Garrett Bradbury who's going to be the man there in the middle for a long time, 18th pick in round number one. And then Eric McCoy, who I mentioned earlier, out of Texas A&M, going to the Saints, uh, pick number 16 in round number two, battling Nick Easton uh, for the right to replace Max Unger, at the center position, very athletic, a guy who always seemed to be the lead blocker out in front of Travion Williams. Very fun to watch. Um, pretty strong as well. Very uh, adept in, in pass protection as well. Uh, Eric McCoy, someone to watch there up front for the Saints. Now, if we flip to the defensive side of the ball, and you, if you recall, this was a defense-heavy draft. So, um, you know, defensive line... You know, I've got a lot of guys you know, taken in the first two days in, in my group here at, uh, at the defensive end position. Cleveland Furl out of Clemson, I had him actually going number four to the Raiders in my very first mock draft. I changed it, had him going to the Raiders later on in round number one, so I guess I kind of get half credit for that, right? Um, but he went number four overall, a guy who wasn't the most explosive guy, but someone who always seemed to be wreaking havoc, getting to the quarterback, you know, when, when he learns a little bit more from Brinson Buckner in, some, in terms of some of the nuances of the position, can be a guy who can really wreak havoc, use those long arms to his advantage. 
uh, to set the run, uh, set the edge against the run as well. Um, you know, Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. As long as everything checks out with that heart, that ticker, um, you know, I think he could end up being a, ski, a steal, falling all the way to number twenty-six. Um, you know, in round number one to the Redskins. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see him ultimately be a running mate there for Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, Chase Winovich of, of Michigan going to the Patriots. This is a Patriot type of guy. Uh, round three. Uh, and look, you know, when you turned on the film, you wanted to watch Devin Bush. You wanted to watch Rashawn Gary. Who was the guy that kept flashing? The guy with the blonde locks just flowing out of the back of the helmet. Chase Winovich flying all over the place. A guy who had surprising burst. Very athletic. Had 4-6 speed. Who knew? Um, but a guy who just always working to the quarterback, really a guy who can be a blue collar type player and a guy who fits well for the Patriots. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, the sack daddy, uh, broke Terrell Suggs's record there at, at Louisiana Tech. Going to the Ravens, third round pick. Um, someone who I think is, is going to do a good job getting to the quarterback. Um, more of a situational guy, as will uh, O'Shane Zimenez, a third-round pick from Old Dominion going to the Giants, a guy who I think is going to continue to get better, just bending off the edge. And then Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan, a fourth-round pick of the Raiders, a guy who uh, came out you know, a, a year early. I was kind of surprised that he did that, but someone who just knows how to get to the quarterback. You know, Very quick burst off the edge, another high-motor guy, just high energy, always seems to be working to the quarterback. And, uh, you know, he, he broke his hand uh, in the preseason, so I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, but he's someone who's definitely going to be able to provide some depth there for the Raiders. D-tackles, you have to start with Quinn and Williams, right, out of Alabama. 18 and a half tackles for loss, a guy who just wreaked havoc in his only season, you know, of starting experience for Bama, went number three overall to the Jets. Ed Oliver of Houston going to the Bills, number nine overall. Look, when you talk Ed Oliver, you know, he does a little bit of everything, you know, and up there, you know, he's he's a guy who I think is going to be a really solid three technique. He's just so quick off the ball. People are worried that maybe he's he, he's undersized. But look, he's not Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald was able to get it done, you know, Ed Oliver not as strong as Aaron Donald, but when you watch the footwork of Aaron Donald and you compare that to Ed Oliver, there are some similarities. Christian Wilkins of Clemson going to Miami, 13 overall. Um, very intelligent player, a guy who just seemed to be consistent, can play all over the line, um, a guy who I think can make plays there for Miami, be a starter early on in his career. As will Kalen uh, uh, Saunders out of Western Illinois, uh, Third-round pick going to the Chiefs. I want to see what he can do there. Uh, is he going to be a, a nose tackle for them? Is he going to be a, a, a five-technique? A five you know, can, Surprising quickness off the ball. Uh, Dalen Mack out of Texas A&M, kind of that fire plug in the middle. Um, Baltimore Ravens took him in, in round number five, a guy who just was unblockable, just driving guys into the backfield, especially in the all-star games going up against some of the top talent and really showed off his, his strength. And then Cortez Broughton wasn't even t- uh, you know invited to the combine. Chargers took him in round number seven. Chargers getting some luck uh, there, hitting some home runs with some, some guys there on the interior of the line. And uh, I think Cortez Broughton is going to be another guy who is going to surprise people. Linebacker position, obviously you have to start with Devin White. Uh, going to be the, the signal caller there for the Bucks. Uh, fifth pick overall out of LSU. Um, you know, what, what can you say about Devin White? He, he's new to the position, still you know, 100, 
back-to-back 120-plus tackle seasons, a guy who's just going to continue to get get better and better. We've seen, uh, you know, we haven't seen the best football from him yet, and that's a scary, scary thought. Jermaine Prada of NC State. This is going to be a run of a lot of uh, guys, you know, who are athletic, three-down linebackers. Jermaine Pratt was a, a converted safety there at NC State when he played linebacker, over 100 tackles, going in the third round to the Bengals. How about Bobby Okariki of Stanford, a third-round pick of the Colts, really long arms, very good athlete, uh, you know, just a very intelligent player. Uh, Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame, uh, fourth-round pick of the Chargers, uh, converted safety, and a guy who just seems to make plays all over the field. Um, can can play the run, can play the pass, can get after the quarterback a little bit. Uh, really fun to watch, and I think he's having a pretty good preseason as well. As is Mac Wilson uh, out of Alabama. You know, went to uh, went to Cleveland uh, in the fifth round, and uh, a guy who I, I think he's best really at his best in coverage. I think it showed so far in the preseason, had a leaping interception. Uh, Justin Hollins of Oregon, you know, a guy who's getting a lot of playing time for the for the Denver Broncos, a fifth-round pick, um, you know, 240 pounds, 6'5", and a guy who can do a little bit of everything, just like the guys that we've talked about, a guy who can be a three-down linebacker, can get after the quarterback, um, very productive there for the Oregon Ducks, and I think he's going to be a starter there for the Broncos. Ulysses Gilbert out of Akron. Um, you know, the Steelers took him in round number six when he was there with the zips one year, he was over a hundred tackles the next year. Uh, he was a guy who was basically playing in the slot as a, basically a, a nickel defender. Um, so athletic. Um, I think he's somebody who is going to be a better, you know, better than, than where his, he was drafted because of his ability to, to play a multitude of, of, of positions. And then Daryl Johnson out of North Carolina A&T, um, seventh-round pick of the Patriots. I was kind of surprised that he came out. He's a little undersized, um, needed to put on some weight. But you know, the Patriots like some of those guys you know, coming off the edge. Derek Roberson was another guy that they picked up. He's coming back. Um, you know, after a, a tremendous career at Sam Houston State, they like some of those guys. You know, from some of those small schools, Daryl Johnson, another guy that's going to fit that mold. Um, and so those are some guys to keep an eye on there at the linebacker position. Moving on to the corners, Joan Williams out of Vanderbilt, a big corner. You know, six four, just excellent length. Guess what? Patriots went with him there in round number two. He has a chance to start early on, as does Justin Lane out of Michigan State. Uh, you know, the Steelers needed a cornerback, needed a guy to make some plays. Justin Lane, a converted wide receiver, understands routes. You know, route recognition is, is key for him. Uh, excellent ball skills. Went in round number three. Uh, to the Steelers. And then how about Jimmy Moreland out of James Madison? 18 interceptions in this guy's career. I want to say 61 pass breakups, a nose for the football. One of my favorite players, period. Redskins, I think, found a gem in round number seven. Pick number 13 in round number seven. Remember that name, Jimmy Moreland, there for the Washington Redskins. And then finally, the safety position. How can you, you know, you have to start with, with Jonathan Abram of Mississippi State. Um, you know, a ball hawk, a guy who is a big, big physical hitter, a guy who likes to talk out on the football field, taken 27th overall by the Raiders. Juan Thornhill of Virginia, a guy who can play both corner and safety. Um, very versatile there for the Chiefs. That's why they took him in round number two. Uh, Mike Edwards of Kentucky, a guy who I thought was a little underrated. People weren't really talking about him. Buccaneers took him um, at the end of 
of, of day number two. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson of Florida. Uh, the Saints get him in the fourth round. I thought that was a steal. Really wondering why teams weren't taking him uh, much sooner because I think he's a guy who, who can play in multiple uh, multiple positions in, in the secondary and, and multiple scenarios as well. So that is the second annual all shoots team for 2019, which leads us into the matchups for week number one. So taking a look at at what we have week number one, uh, starting with Thursday's games, August 29th, uh, UCLA traveling to Nippert stadium there in Cincinnati. I want to see Michael Warren, uh, the third, you know, really a powerful back, a guy who I think, um, you know, is someone that people are sleeping on. You know, the truck is a guy who just, he runs people over. He was a guy who really kind of surprised people with what he did against uh, uh, UCLA. You know, 5'11", 218 pounds, over 1,300 yards on the ground, 19 touchdowns, 25 receptions as well. So he can catch the football out of the backfield. Only a junior, but I really want to see what he can do as, you know, the same goes for Joshua Kelly out of UCLA, a guy who came in as a transfer and uh, 5'11", 204 pounds, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 12 touchdowns, 27 receptions. It's going to be the battle of the running backs. And uh, you know the, the other guy to, to watch there for Cincinnati is going to be the tight end, Josiah DeGuerra, um, the, the leading receiver there for Cincinnati, and uh, a guy who I think is a legit pro prospect. If you don't have him in your top 10 uh, among tight ends, uh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, right now I looked at my top 10 though, and I don't have them there and I'm scratching my head wondering why, um, you know, a guy who was among the, the top tight end returning tight ends, um, from a, a season ago. And, uh, let's see if I can pull his stats up here. You know, just a guy, you know, sure handed receiver, you know, and he's, Going to the same college as as Travis Kelsey, not quite the athlete, not as big as him, 6'3", 240 pounds, but look, he can catch the football, you know, 38 catches, 468 yards, five touchdowns. He's going to be someone to watch there for for the Bearcats. You know, they have Brian Wright, the linebacker, Kobe Bryant, you know, not the basketball player. He spells his name K-O-B, I'm sorry, C-O-B-Y. But Kobe Bryant has some skills on the outside, can be a you know a good cover. Uh, cover corner there for the Bearcats. Uh, nine pass breakups a season ago to go along with with two interceptions, and uh, he'll be going up against Theo Howard. You know he's the the top returner there for uh, the UCLA Bruins. Um, you know UCLA. Um, you know they're going to have Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson there at quarterback. Um, bring in. Uh, three returners there up front on the offensive line. Uh, I think Darnay Holmes and Quentin Lake, you know, that's the son of, of Carnell Lake there uh, in the secondary are, are the other guys to really keep an eye on. Darnay Holmes is only a junior, uh, 5'10", 190, 99 pounds, 11 pass breakups in his career, six interceptions, three in each of the past two seasons, and has returned one back for touchdown in each of the last two seasons as well. So he'll be someone to keep an eye on as well. So that's going to be one of the marquee matchups there on Thursday. Um, as we go through this, you know, you have UCF taking on Florida A&M. That'll be a game that I'll be watching. I really want to see what Brandon Wimbush can do there for, uh, for UCF, ranked number 17 in the country. Uh, Clemson taking on Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Wreck. Um, you know, 
FIU uh, is taking on Tulane. And you're probably wondering, why in the world am I even bringing up that game? Um, you know, Florida International, you know, this is two group of five teams. People really probably don't know much about. Um, but Florida, uh, Florida International, I really want to see what James Morgan, the quarterback, can uh, can do. What, what can he bring to the table? Um, he's really the guy that I'm going to be watching there for... Um, for the Panthers and James Morgan, 6'4, 213 pounds. He transferred from Bowling Green um, and a season ago in his first year there at FIU, uh, 65% completion percentage, over 2,700 yards, 26 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He'll be uh, a guy to watch there um, again for FIU. But then you're also talking about if you look at, at Tulane, um, you've got uh, Darius Bradwell. Now, Darius Bradwell, if you're not familiar with him, 6'1", 230 pounds, a big, powerful back, um, had just 200 carries, uh, still went over 1,000 yards, 1,134 to be exact, and 11 scores. I'd like to see him be more of a weapon out of the backfield this year, but definitely a guy who can be a, you know, a, a powerful back between the tackles. That'll be a fun matchup to watch, really an underrated matchup, uh, if you ask me. Texas A&M taking on Texas State. You know, that'll be Kellen Mond. Uh, you know, really, can he take that next step there under Jimbo Fisher? A lot of people think he can. Uh, Jake Spavital getting the, the, the chance to start things over there with the Bobcats. And uh, Bobcats have a legit um, legit linebacker on their team, and his name is, is Brian London. Um, so if you haven't gotten to see him yet, You know, that, that's that's a guy that you really want to tune in for. Uh, 6'2", 232 pounds, um, had 142 tackles as a freshman, um, 91 tackles. Uh, and then in his junior season, 109 tackles, 5.5 tackles for loss, uh, has 19.5 total tackles for loss in his career, 11 pass breakups. Someone to keep an eye on. Really want to see what he can do against Kellen Mond um, there for, for Texas State. Now, Texas State, you know, not going to be much of a um, – they're not going to put up much of a fight against the Aggies, but I really want to see what that matchup looks like. Same thing with, with Minnesota and uh, South Dakota State. Really want to see what Christian Roseboom uh, can do there for uh, for the Jackrabbits uh, there at, at linebacker. I think that'll be uh, intriguing, if nothing else. Uh, and then you've got Utah taking on BYU at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah. The 14th-ranked Utes, you know, if you were tuning in to game day there on ESPN, He's picking Utah to go to the national championship game. Um, I don't know if I go that far, but you have you know Tyler Huntley at quarterback, um, and then Zach Moss. You know Zach Moss is a guy who's battled injuries, uh, and you know had he not been had it not been for the injuries, Zach Moss really could have had um, you know possibly could have entered the draft last season. You know, 5'10", 222 pounds, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, played in only nine games last year, still went over the 1,000-yard mark, uh, 23 touchdowns to his name, and uh, had 29 receptions in 2017, only eight a season ago, um, but a guy who is really going to be the bell cow and really going to be relied upon. Darryl, uh, Darren Paulo, the left tackle, is going to be the, the guy to watch up front offensively. Um, Britton Covey is, is a, a possession receiver nightmare, um, there for, for the Utes. And then on the, uh, defensive side of the ball, you've got Bradley and I, who I think is, is one of the better, uh, pass rushers coming off the edge in, uh, all of college football. You know, I've got him ranked in my top 10, 
Bradley and I, uh, you know, 26 tackles for loss, 16 sacks in his career, uh, had at least seven sacks in each of his last two seasons there at Utah. Uh, a couple of guys on the interior. John Penasini is a guy that nobody's talking about, but a guy who I think can can make an impact there on the inside. And then Lecky Fotu. Lecky Fotu is, is one of the... You, know, you, you talk about some of these big uh, defensive tackles there at, at Utah, you know, guys like uh, Starlo Tulele and uh, Leckie Fotu is, 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 is the, the same type of player, um, you know, 6'5", 330 pounds. Uh, last season, you know, had seven tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, showed an ability to both play the run and the pass uh, there along the interior. So he'll be a guy to watch, as will Jalen Johnson, the corner on the outside uh, for the Utes. Look, you know, Utah has some players. They have some athletes, you know, have some skill position guys. Six foot, 190 pounds out there, um, five interceptions, 10 pass breakups in two seasons with the Utes. He's only a junior, but a guy who I think, if he has another big season, could come out. And then in the, as a safety, Julian Blackman played a, played corner for them, 6'1", 195 pounds. Uh, Julian Blackman moving to safety now, uh, five interceptions and 16 pass breakups, including 10 a season ago. Uh, he'll be a guy to watch there as well on the back end of that defense. Now with BYU, um, you know, Kalani Sataki, it's going to be, be an interesting game for them. You know, they've got a lot of... Uh, given up a lot in terms of of the athleticism, um, but when you talk BYU, what what are you really dealing with there? Um, you know, really what you're what you're going to be looking for. Uh, Aleva Hifo um, is probably their best receiver. Um, they're, they're returning three uh, offensive linemen up front. Matt Bushman, the tight end, is transferred to Pitt. Uh, Zach Wilson is a sophomore quarterback. Um, so really a lot of young guys up front. Um, probably the best senior player might be Trajan Peely um, up front for the, um, you know, at defensive end. Uh, Chris Wilcox, the corner, is returning from injury. You know, this is going to be an interesting season for, for BYU. Um, I, I really don't know what to expect. They were 7-6 and six a season ago. I'm expecting them to probably be right around 6-7 wins as well. I think Utah ultimately is going to roll in this one. But you know what? With that uh, that rivalry, you never know what's going to happen. If you move on to Friday, Rice and Army is the first game that kicks off. And that's 5 o'clock Central. And uh, the one th- reason why I'm bringing this game up is Elijah Riley is is a legit pro pros, if I could say that right legit pro prospect there for uh for Army at the cornerback position. Um, I don't know how often Rice you know and and uh, Mike Bloomgren are going to be throwing the football, um, but um, Elijah Riley six foot two oh five. Uh, 15 pass breakups, four interceptions, also nine and a half tackles for loss, including seven and a half a season ago. So he's the guy who I, I think can make plays on the outside. The other guy is going to be Cole Christensen, uh, the linebacker for them. And Cole Christensen is he's 6'2, 225 pounds, um, 163 tackles in his career, 17 for loss. Um, you know, just really one of those smart, intelligent guys there for Army. Um, so those are going to be the, the guys, if you're going to tune into that game, those are going to be guys to watch. Michigan State uh, has Tulsa traveling there, and uh, you'll get to see uh, you know, Kenny Willekes and you know, wreak havoc coming off the edge. You'll have Joe Bocci, the middle linebacker, and then you'll have 
uh, Raekwon Williams stuffing the middle of that D, uh, of the of the line, and then David Dowell uh, patrolling the secondary at the safety position. So uh, Michigan State, I think they're going to roll. You know, Brian Lewerke, um, You know, they said that big reason why. A lot of his play he got benched in favor of Rocky Lombardi a season ago was because of injury. Really a time for him to shine. Um, you've got uh, a couple of offensive linemen up front who are going to be pro prospects. Um, you know, Cole Schuins, um is the left tackle. He's someone who uh, I think is going to get a look by by several teams. He's, he's uh, on the Senior Bowl uh, watch list and then Tyler Higby, 6'5, 300 pounds, guy who's played multiple positions there for for Michigan State. He's going to uh, be someone to, to keep an eye on. Cole Chewins, 6'8, 300 pounds, big guy um, there at uh, at left tackle. So those are going to be guys that I'm going to be keeping an eye on for, uh, for Michigan State. Should have an easy time with Tulsa. Um, but Tulsa, look. The one thing that I will say about Tulsa is they've got some some pretty solid linebackers. You know, that's really what what I want to see is how can they, you know, what can they do against Brian Lewerke? Is Brian Lewerke just going to have a field day and do whatever he wants? Um, or, or are these linebackers going to step up and make some plays? Um, you know, Cole, uh, Cooper Edmiston, 113 tackles a season ago, uh, also had four interceptions. Uh, freshman All-American uh, Zaven Collins is 6'4", 256 pounds, um, 85 tackles, 9.5 went for loss. And then Diamond Cannon, 6'2", 230 pounds. He's a senior, 52 tackles a season ago, had a breakout junior season last year. Now, look, I'm not saying that this team is going to have any any chance against Michigan State, but I think some of those linebackers, you know, that's going to be the matchup that I want to see. Can these guys uh, make some plays there against the Spartans? I think if they do, that's going to help them in terms of their, their draft stock. And I think Zayvon Collins, he's going to be a guy a lot of people are going to be talking about when it's all said and done. Uh, when he's his time is done there for the Golden Hurricane, uh, Wisconsin traveling to uh, Tampa Raymond James Stadium taking on USF. You know you've got that hurricane that that's going to be rolling in, so I don't know if it's going to hit land there on Friday or not. But uh, if if this game does happen, you're going to have Blake Barnett. Uh, really, if he wants to be a pro prospect, he's going to have to show up in this game. Uh, and really perform against Wisconsin and Wisconsin, that you know their defense can be susceptible to, um, you know, I, I think a, a, a big game potentially from uh, Blake Barnett and Jordan Cronkite, the the running back from Florida. You know Zach Bond, the linebacker, six three, two hundred twenty five pounds, tough as nails there at linebacker. Um, you know Isaiah Loudermilk, the junior, finally healthy and a guy who uh, is going to be a full-time starter. Six seven, three hundred seven pounds. Um, you got Scott Nelson, the safety, six two, one hundred ninety-seven pounds, playing free safety. Had an excellent freshman season, but a lot of inexperience defensively um, there for Wisconsin, and uh, that's something that if if I'm a Badger fan, I have to worry about that just a little bit. You know, what is my defense really going to look like? You know, what's that identity going to be like defensively? You know, a season ago, you at least, had, if nothing else, had uh, T.J. Edwards patrolling the middle of the field, and you don't have that anymore. So you have Blake Barnett, Jordan Cronkright carrying the football, uh, Mitchell Wilcox, a tight end, 
Um, it was going to be a weapon out there as well, 6'5", 245 pounds. And then, obviously, when Wisconsin has the ball, you've got you know the, the Doak Walker Award winner from a season ago, Jonathan Taylor, over 2,000 yards, 5'11", 219-pound junior. Um, fun to watch. You know, and, and he's got a line, you know, Cole Van Lannen, Tyler Beatus, um, there at, uh, you know, experienced on the line. Uh, Jason Erdman and, and Caden Lyles at, at the guard positions have gotten some experience, but you're having to replace, you know, guys like ben, Bo Benshaw. You're going to have to replace guys like, uh, you know, David Edwards and, and Michael Dieter, guys that have been mainstays on that line for a long time. But look, Tyler Beatus is going to be a top 20 pick. 6'3", 318 pounds. Watch the way that he pulls and gets out in front of, of Jonathan Taylor, a guy who can climb to the next level. Um, really want to see. He can he can dominate in the running game. I want to see what he can do in the passing game. Can he be consistent in that passing game? You know, when you look at guys like Garrett Bradbury, um, guys who were taken as in the top 20, if you want to be that guy, you have to be exceptional in, in, the, in pass protection as well. Um, so Jack Cohn is going to be the quarterback. He's going to have to watch out for the likes of, of Mike Hampton. 6'1", 180 pounds. Mike Hampton was a breakout performer a season ago. And, and Hampton, 6'1", 190, like I said. Um, 16 pass breakups and, and two interceptions. Excellent ball skills on the outside. He's going to be the guy that you really want to keep an eye on. Um, but you know, Jonathan Taylor is really going to be the guy. And at the end of the day, Wisconsin, look, you know, that defense just needs to get a couple of stops against Blake Barnett. Let Jonathan Taylor just go crazy. He was sixth in the Heisman voting as a fre- as a true freshman, ninth in the voting in 2018, um, you know, over 1,900 yards as a true freshman. Followed that up with just under 2,200 yards as a sophomore, 7.1 yards per carry, uh, six, 16 touchdowns, 29 total in his career, over 4,000 yards in just two seasons. Um, you know, just you know, obliterating some records in his first two years. Uh, needs to be more of a receiver, though. That's the one thing that I will say. 16 receptions. Look, Melvin Gordon was not a receiver at Wisconsin, yet he was still taken number 18 overall by the Chargers. So you know, I would like to see him, though, be more of a weapon there. In the passing game, um, you know, the, I think the biggest thing that I was surprised when it comes to Wisconsin, and it may just be because you've got the veteran presence in there more than anything else, is that uh, the freshman there at uh, at Wisconsin wasn't named the starter. That ultimately was Jack Cohn, but uh, you know, that's something that you're going to have to watch out for. You know, can um, the name of the of the freshman escapes me? Graham Mertz. You know, before long, remember that name. He's a guy who I think if if Jack Cohn struggles, we could end up seeing Graham Mertz and the and the start of the Graham Mertz era. You know, really taking off. So let's see who else do we have? Um, Utah State. You know, obviously you have Jordan Love. You have uh, on on offense. You also have uh, David Woodward on on defense and and Tipa Naliai. Uh, coming off the edge, those are going to be the guys to really keep an eye on. And they get a chance. They get to go in against Wake Forest. I want to see what Jordan Love can do against the likes of Isang Bassey there at, at the cornerback position. But uh, if Utah State wants to be a, a team to challenge um, there as a, as a group of five team, making a, a statement against an ACC foe is going to be a, a good step towards that. Colorado, Steven Montez, and, and LaVisca Chenault taking on Colorado State. Um, let's see... Um, Saturday, 
August 31st. Uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, Ryan Day, they're taking on Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic Owls. Uh, no more Devin Singletary. I think this will probably end up being a route there for uh, Ohio State. Keep an eye on Chase Young. You know, Nick Bosa, before he went down to his injury, you know, really got off to a fast start, and that's really kind of what set the tone for his season. Four tackles for loss, three sacks in just three games. You know, really want to see if, if Chase Young can get off to a great start. Jeffrey Akuda on the outside, going to make some plays there at the corner position. What a difference a year makes, too. You have Iowa State taking on Northern Illinois, ranked number 21 in the country, and then Nebraska. Scott Frost and company, um, ranked number 24 in the in the country, taking on South um, South Alabama. That's going to be a game, I'm, you know, two games I want to tune into and, and really watch, see what uh, Brock Purdy can do there for Iowa State. They've got a lot of, a lot of guys on, on the defensive side of the football that I'm curious in. Um, really want to see what they can do. Can they step up? Obviously, Greg Eisworth, the junior safety, is is one to watch. Um, you know, I've neglected to uh, to put him into my um, my top 25. I'm sorry, into my top 10 there at the safety position. But a guy who I'm going to be moving back in there relatively quickly. Um, the sophomore middle linebacker Mike Rose will be a guy to talk about in next year's draft. But Marcel Spears, 6'1", 215-pound, undersized linebacker, but a guy who can really play well in space. Obviously, Jaquan Bailey coming off the edge, 6'2", 251 pounds. You know, Jaquan Bailey was a guy who consistently got to the quarterback in, in Big 12 play. And uh, a guy, not the not the biggest guy, but a guy who can bend pretty well. Uh, 18 sacks, 13 and uh, 31 tackles for loss in his career. Nine pass breakups. Knows, um, you know, what to do coming off the edge. And then Ray Lima, the big guy in the middle. Um, you know, really want to see. You know, offensive lines also a veteran line. Uh, Julian Good Jones at left tackle, six five. Um, you know. 296, and then uh, Josh Kniffel, the the right guard, 6'5", 309. Bryce Meeker, the right tackle, 6'6", 309. All guys who could potentially be pro prospects uh, coming back there for Iowa State. And then at Nebraska, you know, you, there's room, you know, reason for optimism. And, uh, you know, a big piece of that is, uh, is the quarterback position, you know, Really, you know, Adrian Martinez, only a sophomore, 6'2", 220 pounds. Definitely fun to watch. Um, you're going to have you know, J.D. Spielman, an underrated junior uh, there working out of the slot. Um, you know, the Davis brothers, Carlos and Khalil there at uh, along the defensive line. Mohamed Berry, uh, an inside linebacker. Nobody's really talking about 6'1", and uh, 230 pounds. And... Uh, Let's see. Last season, you know, first real action there for the the Corn Huskers. Uh, over uh, 100 tackles, 112 to be exact. 10 tackles for loss, two sacks. The guy who's looking to build upon that, and then Lamar Jackson and uh, DiCaprio Booty, uh, Boodle. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is one of the bigger corners. I think that's one of the things that kind of stands out. 6'3", 215 pounds, uh, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups in his career. And then with DiCaprio Boodle, uh, one of the best names in all of college football. 5'10", 195, 15 pass breakups a season ago to go with 39 tackles. Um, no picks yet in his career. Really want to see him um, you know, make some plays there on the edge. Maybe he'll be able to do that for Nebraska uh, as they – Square off against um, South Alabama. 
So as we move through the schedule, Mississippi, you know, the running back, they're taking on Memphis at Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. Going to see Scotty Phillips take on Patrick Taylor. Um, you know, there's no more to- uh, Tony Pollard or uh, Daryl Henderson there running the football at Mike Norvell's offense. So Patrick Taylor is really going to be the guy. And uh, you know Memphis, they had really had a three-headed monster at the running back position. And I, I thought it was kind of fun to watch. Patrick Taylor was the bigger guy, 6'3", 227, over 200 carries, still 1,122 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns, also has 47 receptions in his career. Keep an eye on him. He may be one of those guys like Tony Pollard that kind of sneaks in um, as, a, as an early day three pick. And then for Scotty Phillips, he's he's one of those undersized running backs, but a guy who I think is going to be fun to watch. 5'8", 2'11", um, a season ago, over 900 yards on the ground, 10 catches, uh, scored 12 total touchdowns, uh, you know, 10 on the ground, 2 in the air. Um, so I think that'll be the, the key matchup there uh, for Mississippi. Now, Mississippi State, they're breaking in a new quarterback with Nick Fitzgerald gone. It's going to be the uh, former Penn State Nittany Lion, uh, Tommy Stevens. And uh, you know, Mississippi State, um, you know, they're going to have to replace, obviously, the likes of, of Jeffrey Simmons. They're also going to have to replace uh, Montez Sweat up front. Chauncey Rivers is going to be a guy to keep an eye out for. 6'3", 275 pounds. People aren't really talking about Chauncey. And, uh, you know, I think he needs to be on people's radars. Um, You know, he he transferred from Georgia. uh, And in 2018, in a limited role, uh, you know, seven and a half tackles for loss, three sacks in 12 games. Um, He's someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, Errol Thompson. Is, is a junior linebacker, but a guy who is on a lot of teams' radars uh, already. 6'1", 250 pounds, big kid, 87 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, two interceptions at the inside linebacker position. He's going to be someone to, to keep an eye on, as will Cameron Dantzler. I mentioned him uh, you know, in the, in the second podcast uh, when we were talking about defense and the defensive side of the ball. Cameron Dantzler, 6'2", 185. Um, Terrell Buckley is the secondary coach or DB coach there for the Bulldogs. It's talking about him as the best uh, corner in the SEC. Um, and that's with the likes of CJ Henderson, Christian, Christian Fulton. So that's high praise. 12 uh, pass breakups in his career, kind of a uh, you know, slight um corner there and that's that's the one concern that you have is is a guy who could potentially get pushed around they're going up against louis uh louisiana and the big reason why i'm kind of bringing this game up is louisiana has has some running backs that are fun to watch they have raymond calais um now raymond calais he, he's um you know 5'9 180 pounds really kind of that jitterbug type of guy 754 yards on the ground seven touchdowns and then uh, the, the guy that I really have a lot of fun watching, he, he's only a junior. He'll probably be back. 5'11", 227-pound, Trey Regis. Um, you know, nearly 2,000 yards in his career um, there for the Raging Cajuns, over 1,100 yards a season ago uh, to go along with 25 receptions. He's a name to keep an eye out for. And then if you're ta- looking for a receiver for the Raging Cajuns, how about Jamarcus Bradley? Uh, Jamarcus Bradley is... Um, Let's see. He he's six one, one hundred ninety five pounds, and uh, you know over you know had a hundred receptions in his career, including really a breakout uh, twenty eighteen, uh, forty receptions, 
608 yards. That's 15.2 yards per reception and 10 touchdowns. Um, he's going to be somebody to, to really keep an eye out for um, for uh, Billy Napier and uh, and Louisiana. Um, really going to you know be a good test for him going up against Cam Dantzler. You have have to figure that they're going to be going to get going up against each other quite a bit. Uh, West Virginia is taking on James Madison in Morgantown. Rashad Robinson coming back from injury there, the corner. Uh, he'll get to match up quite a bit with Marcus Sims. And, uh, you know, Gary Jennings is gone, and uh, so is David Sill. So Marcus Sims is going to be the guy that's going to be relied upon to make a lot of plays on the outside. Six foot, 194 pounds, um, you know, back-to-back years with at least 35 receptions and over 600 yards. Um, but I, I expect to, you know, him to be the go-to target for Austin Kendall, the transfer from Oklahoma. Let's see, what else do we have? Alabama taking on Duke, and, and that's really, you want to see what Alabama can do. What is What are you going to see from that offense? You know, Najee Harris carrying the football. Obviously, Tua throwing the football to the bevy of receivers. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, Devontae Smith, um, you know, offensive line, you know, replacing some guys up front. Alex Leatherwood is going to be the uh, the key cog there. Is he going to play tackle? Is he going to, is he going to play guard? That's going to be interesting to see. And then up front defensively, um, you know, it, with Dylan Moses going down, that that's really a big blow uh, to them defensively. But you still have guys like Anthony Jennings, as long as he can stay healthy. Coming up, you know, he'll be a guy who can come off the edge, uses his long arms really well, had 11 pass breakups a season ago. Raekwon Davis, can he live up to the potential finally? You know, he's somebody who I think, um, you know, 6'7", 305 pounds, playing defensive end in that 3-4 scheme. Uh, really want to see him take that next step. Trevin Diggs, well on his way to to being, uh, you know, a top corner. Uh, then he got hurt. So I want to see what he can do uh, there for... Uh, the Crimson Tide there on the outside. And then how about Xavier McKinney? Um, Xavier McKinney kind of reminds you a little bit of um, Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, 6'1", 200 pounds, did a little bit of everything. You know, 74 tackles, six six tackles for loss, three sacks. So he could play in the box, can also drop back into coverage, had two interceptions and 10 pass breakups, uh, returned one of those interceptions for a touchdown. So he'll be one to watch there. Um, on the back end of that secondary, but uh, what can the middle of that defense do? Um, you are going to have a guy by the name of DJ Dale. He's a freshman, 6'3", 314 pounds. Is he going to be the next Darren Payne? Uh, that's really going to be the big question more than more than anything else. Um, let's see, what else do we have going through there? Stanford taking on Northwestern. So you're going to see KJ Costello going up against Patty Fisher. Patty Fisher, uh, a guy who was an All-American you know, as a freshman and as a sophomore, uh, 6'4", 246 pounds, over 110 tackles in each of those seasons, 14 tackles for loss. Um, I really want to see what he can do in coverage. Can he drop? Can he be a three-down linebacker? That's really going to be the key, what's going to separate you know, whether or not he's going to be a first-rounder or a potential day-two pick. K.J. Costello, 6'5", 222-pound quarterback, um, you know, a season ago, 65% passer, over 3,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, did have 11 interceptions on the year. He doesn't have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but he does have Colby Parkinson, one of the best tight ends in the country, 6'7", 240 pounds. 
um, you know, the he's breaking in some some relatively new um, skill position guys. Bryce Love is gone, so Cameron Scarlett's going to be carrying the load at the running back position. Michael Wilson, a sophomore receiver, is going to be solid. Um, obviously, Walker Little um, at, at the tackle position, 6'7", 313, is going to be uh, the pro prospect to watch, as is Paulson Adebo, 6'1", 190 pounds, the soft, uh, redshirt sophomore. Look, he, he's a guy who... I think is going to challenge Bryce Love, Jeffrey Akuda, and uh, Christian Fulton to be that number one corner uh, for the 2020 drafts. Again, 6'1", 190. As a, a redshirt freshman, um, 64 tackles, five for loss, four interceptions, 17 pass breakups. Showed a, a tremendous ability. You know, the ball skills obviously were there, but as a receiver, the route recognition, he ran the routes better than the receivers oftentimes. Um, let's see, Liberty, you're going to see a thousand yard receiver, uh, Antonio Gandy Golden and, and his quarterback Buckshot, uh, Calvert going up against, uh, the vaunted Syracuse defense. I say vaunted because they've got a couple of guys coming off the edge. If you haven't gotten to see these guys play, um, you know, I would say, see if you can tune into some Syracuse games because you got Alton Robinson, 6'4", 260 pounds, um, 17 tackles for loss and 10 sacks a season ago. But uh, he's not the only guy that they have there that's, that's going to be getting after the quarterback. They also have Kendall Coleman. So Kendall Coleman, haven't really talked about him much in the podcast yet, but he's 6'3", 253, um, had 10, 10 sacks, 12 tackles for loss a season ago himself. So um, their line um, is somewhat, you know, is, is a, a line that I, I think is is something that teams need to to be mindful of in the ACC. Um, but I, I'll be curious to see if Antonio Gandy-Golden can get off to a good start there. Uh, Jake Mayer and, uh, and the UC Davis Aggies taking on a, that vaunted Cal defense. Ashton Davis, fun to watch at the safety position. Evan Weaver, the linebacker, had over 150 tackles a season ago. Um, let's see, as we make our way through here, Boise State uh, and Florida State, You know, will that game be played in uh, Jacksonville? Um, you know, with the impending, uh, torn, uh, I'm sorry, hurricane, it's going to be a questionable, you know, there. But Ezra Cleveland, the um, the offensive tackle, um, really want to see uh, what he can do against ACC level talent. Um, but he's he's a guy who is just he's very athletic and, and a guy moves so well laterally. Uh, not the not the most powerful guy, uh, more of a finesse tackle, but a guy who I think can absolutely um, be a force there for uh, for the Broncos. And then obviously with Florida State, you've got Cam Akers carrying the football, 5'11", 212-pound junior. Uh, really want to see him take the next step if he wants to be one of the top-rated um Top-rated running backs in the country. Um, I think Dontavius Jackson, the 6'3", 233-pound senior linebacker, is going to lead that defense for Florida State. You have Levante Taylor on the back end playing corner, can also be a safety. And then Hamza Nazaruddin, he's 6'4", 215 pounds. He's a junior, had over 90 tackles a season ago. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? He's one of those hybrid guys. Um, So he'll be a guy to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, Georgia, obviously Jake Fromm and company. Uh, going into Nashville, you want to see what Vanderbilt can do. Can uh, the transfer from Ball State, Riley Neal uh, and uh, 
Elijah Lipscomb, the receiver, and then Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a legitimate pro prospect there at running back. Can they go? What can they do against that that, that Georgia defense by you know led by Kirby Smart? Oregon, you know, taking on Auburn. That's really going to be the showcase game there at AT and T Stadium. Oregon's really going to be a fun team this year. You know, ranked number eleven in the country. I think they have a heck of a shot against the Auburn Tigers. Um, look, you get to see Justin Herbert. You'll get to see uh, C.J. Verdell, the sophomore running back, uh, Juwan Johnson, uh, the transfer from Penn State. Really looking to see if he can put everything together. And then that offensive line, so dominant. Panay Sewell, the left tackle, he's back from injury. Um, you've got Shane Lemieux, uh, just a model of consistency up front for the Ducks. Played in every game in his career. Uh, Jake Hansen hasn't given up a sack at the center position. Uh, Dallas Warmack, the transfer from Alabama. And then Calvin Throckmorton, who may be the best offensive tackle in the Pac-12. Sorry, uh, you know my apologies to uh, Walker Little. But I think Calvin Throckmorton, he, he's played left tackle, he's played right tackle. Very efficient there at the, uh, at the offensive tackle position. And then uh, on defense, you got Troy Dye, who's looking to try to lead the Ducks you know, in, in tackles in three straight seasons. Auburn, obviously defensively, they've got Derrick Brown up front. What can you do against that vaunted uh, you know, offensive line, you know, that stacked line? You've got you know Nick Coe as well coming off, off the edge there for Auburn. I think at the end of the day, the Ducks will be too much for the Tigers. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Sam Ellinger um, going against Louisiana Tech. We get to see, uh, you know, Amik Robertson, the the corner there for uh, for Louisiana Tech. He's going to be a guy to watch. 5'9", 183 pounds, uh, 18 pass breakups, nine interceptions in his career. Uh, only a junior, but a guy who I think can actually be a be a weapon there and and can probably cause some problems. I really want to see what he can do uh, against the top uh, top team and the Legarius Sneed. Uh, 6'1", 193 pounds, um, you know, 13 uh, pass breakups, five interceptions in his career as well. Those are going to be guys that Sam Ellinger is going to have to watch out for. But look, you know, Sam Ellinger is, is a guy, I love the swagger, I love the moxie uh, there for, for the Texas Longhorns, 6'3", 230 pounds. And look, you know, 64% passing, over 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, just five interceptions. Um, you know, and then carrying the football, he, he nearly has 1,000 yards, has 18 touchdowns on the ground in his career as well. He's going to be throwing to a guy by the name of Colin Johnson, who's one of the best, probably the top senior receiver, one of the best in the country overall. Uh, 6'6", 260 pounds. Um, you know, he's recovering from uh, arthroscopic knee surgery, but he should be taking on uh, Louisiana Tech on Saturday. And then uh, one last game to keep an eye on, if you can stay up at 9.30, USC uh, taking on Fresno State in the Coliseum. Fresno State has a guy by the name of, of Michael Walker there at the linebacker position, a guy to, to keep an eye out for. Undersized guy, 6'3", 230 pounds, kind of a hybrid linebacker defensive end. 86 tackles on the year a season ago, 13.5 for loss, four sacks, six pass breakups, an interception, has really good length on the outside. Um, you know, the Trojans, uh, JT Daniels won the quarterback uh, battle there in Graham Harrell's offense. Clay Helton, the pressure's on. You know, if they start losing some games, you can expect that uh, you know he's gonna 
you know, he may lose his job by the end of the season. You know, he's really going to have to show up well. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be the, the top target returning for uh, JT Daniels. Um, you know, 758 yards um, receiving on just 41 receptions. That's 18.5 yards per reception, a, a threat down the field. But they have so many skill position guys. Tyler Vaughn's is a, a junior. He's going to be a target. Then Amonra St. Brown, you know, 6'1", 195 pounds, freshman All-American, 60 receptions, 750 yards, three touchdowns, high school uh, teammate of JT Daniels at Modern Day. Um, those are going to be the guys that Fresno State's going to have to watch out for. And then for, for USC defensively, they're, they're pretty young overall. You know, they lost the likes of, of Porter Gustin and uh, uh, Cameron uh, Smith, but they do have Christian Rector up front. Uh, now, Christian Rector, 6'4", 270 pounds, a guy that people don't really talk about, but 20 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks in his career, uh, and, and a guy who I think is just continuing to get better and better each and every season, and uh, really going to be curious to see what he can do uh, in his senior year, um, You know, but really a, a breakout candidate there in the Pac-12. Um, you know, really want to see what a spread offense is going to look like there for the Trojans. Sunday, September 1st, OU, Houston. Playing at Memorial Stadium there in Norman. Jalen Hurts. What is Jalen Hurts going to be able to do for the Sooners? That's going to be the big question. Never really thought he could throw the ball that well. I thought, you know, a lot of a lot, lot of ducks coming out of, uh, out of his hand. Uh, but definitely a guy who can run the football. Going to be interesting to see what uh, Lincoln Riley can do with him throwing the football. You're going to have Trey Sermon running uh, out of the backfield, six foot, 224 pound junior, uh, and Kennedy Brooks, really a two headed monster there. C.D. Lamb going to be the number one target for Hertz, six two, 189 pound junior, one of the top pro prospects at the receiver position. Grant Calcaterra, excellent receiving tight end, six four, 221 pounds. I think he's actually bulked up to 240 now. Um, they're replacing four starters on the offensive line, but one guy that's coming back could be a top 20, 25 pick, and that's Creed Humphrey, the, the former wrestler, high school wrestler, 6'6", 325, sophomore. Um, when he came in um, in the second game for Jonathan Alvarez, that offensive line really took things to the next level. And then uh, you know, when you bring in a, a new offensive co- uh, or defensive coordinator like Alex Grinch, uh, a guy who at Washington State, really have one of the best defenses. You're going to see guys like Ronnie Perkins, uh, you know, had a great freshman season at defensive end. I think he's going to thrive, as will Neville Gallimore, who's going to be a pro prospect there on the inside, 6'2", 330 pounds. But the guy to watch will be Kenneth Murray. You know, Kenneth Murray was a guy who made a lot of plays around the line of scrimmage, but I thought he also he could actually have more than the 155 tackles that he had on the season. You know, he was a guy who I thought made some plays down the field, uh, made those tackles because he was he missed the hole. He was guessing wrong, wasn't really trusting his eyes, and uh, you know if he can really get all of that down, Kenneth Murray has a chance to be. Uh, you know, in consideration for the first round, but you know he, he's someone twelve and a half sa- uh, tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. You know, what is he going to do in coverage? Is he going to get lost in coverage, or is he going to be a guy who uh, who can show that he can stay on the field for three downs? It's really you know, is he going to be a guy like Shaq Quarterman who kind of gets confused and uh, and gets burned a little bit? If that's the case, then uh, his draft stock is going to plummet. So that's something that he's going to have to watch out for for sure. Houston Cougars, 
Dana Holgerson, I know OU and, and Dana, you know, they, they have some of those battles. De'Eric King is a 5'11", 195-pound senior quarterback, a guy who is just so athletic. And uh, I think that's the thing that really jumps off uh, more than anything else. Over just under 3,000 yards a, a season ago, 36 touchdowns, six interceptions, and uh, 686 yards on the ground. Has 25 touchdowns rushing in his career. Um, Alex Grinch better make sure that that defense is is shored up, you know, to be able to take on um, the likes of, of of this offense. You have Marquez Stevenson, who's a legit speed burner on the outside, six foot, 190 pounds, over a thousand yards a season ago, nine touchdowns on the year. Keith Corbin is a six one, 197 pound senior as well. Uh, Josh Jones is 6'7", 3'10", the left tackle. He's the guy that we could be talking about as a potential pro prospect. So some things to watch there for, for Houston. Um, but defensively, you know, they have to replace. They only have three returning starters. Um, so I think OU ultimately gets it done. But uh, it's going to be closer than people think because Houston's offense is high-powered unless, that's a big if, if, uh, if Alex Grinch can get that, that offense going, I mean that defense going, then uh, you know watch out. You know the the, the rest of uh, rest of the country because OU if they figure out that defense, they could be really scary. And then Notre Dame taking on Louisville in Cardinal Stadium on Monday, September second. Um, look, Notre Dame, they're uh, they're ranked number nine in the country. And uh, for good reason, you know, you've got Ian Book, who's a very solid quarterback coming back, um, only a junior. Um, but look, you know, he, he's a kid who, um, you know, has an outside shot, you know, this year, you know, 6'1", 208. Could he potentially enter the draft? He's got a, you know, six, 68% completion percentage, over 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You know, I, I think he really needs to take his take his game and elevate his game to the next level. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at this. I think he may actually be a he's actually a senior, so I stand corrected. Um, so he is somebody. You know, I think he needs to elevate his game to the next level. Um, you know, Jafar Armstrong running the football. Um, you know, needs to have a big year. Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin is gone, so Chase Claypool assumes the mantle as the um, the top. Uh, wide receiver threat, 6'4", 229-pound senior receiver, big guy. Uh, Liam Eichenberg at left tackle, 6'4", 305. We haven't talked about him much in the podcast, but a guy who I think is is uh, you know very solid there at left tackle. And if he has um, you know a solid year, could be a guy who who's a guy flying under the radar right now could start rising up draft boards. And then Tommy Kramer. Um, he's playing right guard, 6'6", 319 pounds. Robert Hainsey's going to play right tackle. Kramer, a guy to watch out for, can play both tackle and guard. But uh, the defense is really what uh, is going to stand out for the Fighting Irish. You have Khalid Kareem. You have Julian Aquara. Julian Aquara is a legitimate you know, uh, potential first-round um, defensive lineman slash... You know, I think really he's going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. 6'5", 240 pounds, uh, 17 tackles for loss, 10.5 sacks, including 8 a season ago. If he goes double-digit sacks, he could very well end up being a first-round pick. And then uh, Aloe Gilman, the free safety, 5'11", 201 pounds, uh, the transfer from Navy. I thought that he really uh, assumed a leadership role there in the secondary. Uh, 94 tackles. 
five pass breakups there. Uh, he and Jalen Elliott, they're going to form quite a quite a tandem there uh, in the secondary for the Irish. Jalen Elliott, 6'1", 210 pounds, uh, four interceptions last year to go along with seven pass breakups. Um, so Louisville is going to have their hands full going against the Irish. And, uh, you know, it's... It's one of those matchups that, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't see a way where, where Louisville is going to win this game. You know, they don't have uh, a guy like Lamar Jackson playing the, you know, the, the quarterback position. Um, they're picked to finish among the, the lowest ranked among uh, all, AC, all uh, ACC um among all ACC teams, sorry. Um, and then Scott Satterfield, you know, brand new head coach coming over from Appalachian State. Um, you know, they have Seth Dawkins at receiver. I, I, you know, I think he'll be be solid. Mekhi Becton, um, the left tackle, 6'7", 355-pound junior. If he wants to put some put on some good tape, really block, you know, do a great job against Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem. If he can keep them um, from getting into the backfield, then uh, you know, his draft stock is really going to shoot up. Um, defensively, Gigi Robinson, um, 6'4", 296-pound senior. He's really going to be one of the guys up front. Dorian Etheridge, uh, the linebacker, 6'3", 230, junior. Um, and then, uh, let's see, you know, Kane Pass, uh, 6'1", 205, senior safety. He's going to be the leader there on the back end, but again, um, you know, you're going to have you know, Scott Satterfield is going to have his work cut out for him. I think he's still a couple of years away before really making an impact there for Louisville. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. I think Notre Dame runs away with that game. So we've covered all of week one, all the different matchups, things to watch out for. Um, you know, we've, we've covered the second edition of the uh, all shoots team, the second annual all shoots team. And then, Obviously, we covered week uh, the week zero uh, ugly games. Hopefully, we we get some some really good contests here in week one. But hey, the first full week of college football is back. If you're not excited, you know, then I, I don't know what's wrong with you because you know college football. We've been waiting all summer for this. I cannot wait. This is so much. This is going to be so much fun. You're going to have games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Five days with college football, and I'll be right into the swing of things. And right after that game on Monday, Notre Dame and and Louisville, a couple days later, you'll get to hear from me. We'll break it all down. I'm going to try to get to you know get to watch as many games as possible. I'm shooting for about 10 to 15 games um, that I'm going to watch from beginning to end, if not more. And we'll go ahead and break all those down next week. And obviously, we'll take a look at the week two matchups as well. So until then. Everybody, enjoy this week of college football, the first full weekend of college football, and we'll talk next week. Until then, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this is the Ready for the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.